Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Utah Royals FC show. This is episode 83. I'm Lucas and joined by Cindy. Cindy, how are you today? I am doing well. I am a little shocked that I woke up to some, okay, I didn't wake up to some news that my weekend has started off with some news. But other than that, I'm good. I'm excited to have a show because we haven't done this in what a few weeks i feel like this is the topic that we say we're like that's been so long <laughs> um but yeah how are you i'm good you know it's the off season so our cadence is a little bit different um for the show as i'm sure our listeners have figured out um but yeah uh i had a doctor's appointment this morning was running kind of late and was surprised to see the big news so um mm-hmm. Uh, we had already decided to record a, a show today, sort of looking back uh, over 2019, looking forward to 2020 with kind of hopes and expectations for the team. And then this morning, um, Dan Loretto of uh, The Equalizer uh, broke the news that Laura Harvey is stepping down as head coach of Utah Rails mm-hmm. FC. Um, pretty, pretty major news. Uh, <laughs> possibly the biggest news in team history. Um, maybe close to the sending of Christian press, but yeah, very, very significant. Um, so yeah, Dan reported that, uh, the story broke this morning. If you don't follow and subscribe to the equalizer, they are excellent. Their podcast is excellent. Um, very much recommend, uh, checking them out. Um, but yeah, it sounds like, uh, Laura Harvey is, uh, stepping down to take, on a job with uh, U.S. soccer, working with the youth national team or teams. I'm not, it's really unclear at this point uh, mm-hmm. what that next role is like. But um, yeah, Cindy, was this was this move uh, surprising to you? I think so. Um, though, yes, I am definitely surprised that she is obviously stepping down. And because we had assurance from her last season that she was going to return. She was going to be back. And then this week it was reported that she was going to coach the U.S. under 18 women's national team team camp. But it was one of those things that it was a temporary role. She was going to do it like on the side and her role as Utah Royals FC would continue. But um, so I've been ever since those reports that I believe were, happened on Monday. I've been kind of wondering if there was more to it. And sure enough, today it was confirmed that um, it is more on the permanent side. And um, yeah, so not the first time that Laura Harvey is linked to U.S. soccer. She's had previous opportunities to be a part of like the U.S. Soccer Federation. Uh, In 2017, she actually coached the under 23s in the spring of 2017 just to coach them through their January camp. And then when she stepped down as Seattle Reign FC's head coach and general manager in 2017, there, there was reportedly some expanded role with U.S. soccer, though that wasn't officially known. Um, but then it fell through, something happened, and Utah Royals FC ended up with Laura Harvey as the head coach. And then this past fall, as U.S. soccer was – trying to find a replacement for Joe Ellis, who was also stepping down as the national team head coach. Laura Harvey was in the running. She was a finalist. She interviewed. So yeah, surprising that it has come. The timing of it is surprising. Not so much that 
Laura Harvey has found a way to get back to U.S. soccer. And the general manager for the U.S. women's side of things um, is Kate. What is her name? Margrath. Yes. Thank you. Um, you know, she's been trying to rebuild the whole system. There's a lot of vacancies in the in the U.S. U.S. youth system. So, yeah, surprising just because we were expecting her to come back. She's loved just by fans and, and her players and um, surprising at the timing. Not so shocked that she was able to get her foot with U.S. soccer. So what do you think? Yeah. Yeah, I, I was certainly surprised um, partially because I was still waking up. Um yeah, it's always it's always interesting for a team when that first coach leaves. Um, she was she was a coach that was is well well liked, well loved by the fan base. Um, all my interactions with her have been super positive. I think she she does a really good job with um, interacting with media. Um, but the fact that she's going to U.S. Soccer isn't really a surprise um as you've said she's been linked with them in the past has had you know has worked with them in the past um but it seems like a step down um to go from head coach of an nwsl team to a youth uh u.s national team coach is that Hmm. is my read there accurate it certainly can seem because obviously you don't really hear very much about the U.S. youth soccer system unless they're doing well or something as if they're more like behind the scenes, um, which actually may be what Harvey wants. She's not a head coach who likes to deal with. She's more of a quieter coach, you know, and the NWS leading an NWSL team does require a lot more, you know, public interaction with the media. Um, this may actually just allow her to, just coach and, and focus on player development, which is kind of interesting because Harvey is not a very uh, a coach that has focused so much in the youth with the NWSL. So that's another. Yeah. yeah so I, I've seen that take too. And I, I think she's capable of it. Um, we saw that with Utah this past season with, you know, Michelle Maimon having a successful season with Gabby Vincent having a success successful season. Um, and maybe those players got minutes out of really necessity more than a desire to develop, but mm-hmm. they did well. And, um, you know, thinking specifically to Gabby Vincent's development, um, she knew how to help bring her along in the time she had her. So she would, um, be prepared for that world cup break when she got a lot of minutes with um, Sam Johnson partnering her with someone who was willing to teach. Um, And I do think that points to an ability Uh, also, you know, she's done had a role with us soccer working with youth in the past, Mm -hmm. but she's a coach who likes to trade more than develop, at least from what we've seen in the league. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For, for me, I think though, you know, this. there have been issues with U.S. soccer for ever, obviously. Um, mm. But they recently started requiring that U.S. Uh, youth coaches live in Chicago, which is a move mm. a lot of people really disliked. Um, the one exception, I think, is former RSL head coach Jason Kreiss, who is 
uh, the, the coach of the U23s, and he lives in um, mm. Miami because he works with uh, Inner Miami. Um, but you have a guy like Tab Ramos, who was over the U.S. program, who just went to coach an MLS team. And to me, you know, that seems like sort of the logical progression of a coach. If you go, you know, you might work with youth, youth teams and then you move into, um, you know, coaching a club team. Uh, and Harvey is certainly flipping that on its head. And it's I'm curious to see where that goes. Um because she might be someone, yeah, who just wants to not be in the spotlight, who wants to just be about the business of coaching and developing. Um, mm-hmm. But it does, yeah, it still feels odd to me. Yeah. I mean, at this point, I'm guessing. And you also, there's been talks about some of the NWSL uh, media we're talking today about how it could have been maybe just maybe she just wanted out of Utah too. Um, the RSL ownership is, you know, famous for not being well liked. You probably know more of that considering you've mm-hmm. followed the RSL organization a lot more sooner. But it could have just been she just was done with Utah, wasn't happy with ownership. Again, these are just things we're hearing, but and. U.S. soccer just made her an offer that she couldn't refuse and they'll probably take care of her better. I don't know. There's definitely something behind it. I don't think it was a matter of performing. So there's yeah. more, definitely more to it. And yeah. Yeah. There have been a ton of organizational changes within the RSL org. Um, what's odd to me is it's never clear how those affect Utah Royals um, because it's usually – uh, couched in such a way that, you know, we're talking about Real Salt Lake, we're talking about Real Monarchs or the Academy. And, you know, Stephanie Lee is a general manager, but she doesn't really get brought into the recent conversations. Laura Harvey isn't really talked about when um, they announced a new head coach and a new general manager and assistant general manager and technical director. Um that was all on the RSL side of the organization. Um, that was a couple of months ago. But Deloy Hansen, the owner um, of RSL and Utah Royals, um, said that they were planning and making a couple key or big changes um, that would allow the team to make the playoffs. Now, my first thought was, could that be a coaching change? Because... Laura Harvey, you know, did not always get the results the team wanted. Um, But she had said, you know, a couple months prior to that, um, that she was planning on being back in Utah in 2020. And that was in response to a question Alex Behar asked her about um, if she would be, if she was interviewing or considering the U.S. women's national team uh, head coach role. That was before Vladka was announced. Um, And she said she wasn't taking that job. Her plan was to be in Utah. Um, and then, um, I saw on Twitter someone today that she had been on, um, uh, a, a podcast called soccer talk, which is focused on soccer coaching. Um, and she like alluded to her being in Utah and that, um, for the next season. And that was just within a couple weeks. So it's one of those things of, I don't know if there's a significant change or if this was planned but you can't really say anything, so you have to sort of act as if it's business as usual. Yeah. 
and yeah, which I'm guessing my take would just be it happened this week. There was an opportunity and she took it, you know, because if she's offered an opportunity on a temporary role side of things and then they maybe get her to talk of more of a permanent role, then that obviously changes everything. So yeah, if it's not a permanent role, you'd have to think that she was really unhappy here, but like, we have no idea. I've never heard her say anything negative. Um, so it's, yeah, there's just so many unknowns in this situation. Um, but it would, it would seem kind of crazy to leave a head coaching job for a, you know, a temporary youth job. Yeah. Yeah. Which is now permanent. Um, it sounds like it's going to be the U20 team. Okay. So, you know. Yeah. And this is all kind of what we're hearing, but not. Like, we don't have press releases saying these things yet. You know, we're still kind of getting things, like, secondhand, right? Right. So, we – I mean, you reached out for comment, and we got a no comment. There's really been yeah. nothing <laughs> – which, surprise, uh, there's been nothing official. This is all just, like, reports, rumors. But, I mean, with, you know, women's soccer, and at least from my history of my – experience of reporting of working when like u.s like women's soccer these reports are valid and um it's just a matter of time before they're officially confirmed kind of crazy um so now that we're past the shock lucas is this a big loss um utah did fail to make the playoffs two years in a row I was looking forward to a third year, but at the same time, I I think the change may be good. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It's one of those things of you kind of don't know what will happen until it happens with a new coach. Um, I think Utah has the infrastructure and the expectation um, to not go the way of you know, the last several years at Sky Blue or Orlando. Um, I think I think the, the front office is smarter than that. Um, but Laura Harvey is a big name and is a well-respected coach. And so her leaving is, you know, is, is a big, um, is a big, big moment in the team. Uh, however, I think you're right. Like the results weren't always there. The fact that they haven't made the playoffs and missed out by just a couple points in each each of their two years is really disappointing because there were moments where they looked like they could beat anyone and did beat mm-hmm. everyone. Um over their over their you know short two years they've beat every team in the league, including being the only team to beat North Carolina um in twenty eighteen. But it just wasn't consistent. And to me, that does feel at some level related to the coach. Um, but you could also say the first year of a team is always going to be difficult. The second year of the team is a World Cup year where you have such a crazy influx of who's available that that is really hard to judge off of. Um, that being said, other teams got it done and Utah looked like they were positioned to and didn't. 
Exactly. So, and I think Utah even regressed a little bit because, yeah, it was a World Cup year, but they had the personnel to, you know, get get some wins and and Utah tended to play like the teams they were playing. I mean, later on in the season, if you lose to a Sky Blue FC, <laughs> you know, if you lose to Houston, something is wrong because you have the better team. And, you know, we we saw the magic of what a Laura Harvey team can do from August till mid-September. I mean, we saw the magic. We, we were excited. They, they beat yeah. Rain FC. They beat Portland. They, you know, they score more than one goal in a season. They they look good. They look like a team that was playoff bound. And then they came to a complete halt in that Houston game and never recovered. So, yeah, I mean, how do you, that yeah, that game, like, how do you, how do you explain games like that other than, you know, it, it was late in the season, so it can't be a tactics thing. It was, it wasn't, you can kind of expect a team to kind of figure things out, but, Late in the season, a team shouldn't have to figure things out when everybody's already miles ahead, like North Carolina had figured out. And they played without a bunch of international stars. You know, Portland figured it out. Chicago figured it out. Like, I think a lot of it does depend on the coaches and their tactics because, you know, how many times did we see the ball just stall or we were just passing it backwards instead of moving it forward? You know, we there – and there were like no trades this off season either. Like there were players that were left on the team. They are like, if, if Utah wants to be competitive in 2019 as a coach, you have to make changes. And one of those changes starts with, obviously you don't want players to lose their jobs, but it's not working and you need to build your team better. And, you know, like a Katie Stengel, you know, like an Erica Tim Rack, you need to build your team. And instead, it looked like they were just going to be stagnant again because there weren't any changes except for picking up some players off the waiver wire and trading a player away. So, there, you know, yeah. it's still early ish in the off season. I mean, it's a long off season, but there's definitely time to make trades and signings um and i wonder how much of that was the team not knowing if sacramento was joining the league or not yeah, probably but yeah it's it might yeah i think you're i think yeah. you're right i think so to answer the question it does feel like a loss i just don't know if it's a bad loss like it could be a good mm-hmm. thing um I think Laura Harvey did some fantastic mm-hmm. things. Um, and uh, I think maybe a change is, is going to be good for the health of the team. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there was a lot of fun things. She got Kristen Press, Vera Boquette. You know, there there was exciting things that we enjoyed from a Laura Harvey team. But I, mm-hmm. I don't think she was able to replicate the success she did with Rain FC. Um, I think a third year would have changed some things, but U.S. soccer came a knocking. Yep. So, um, who do you think takes the job? Um, you know, it, Dan's article said that they already had a list of candidates in mind. Um, 
uh, I think there's a few obvious ones that, that kind of jump mm-hmm. out and um, yeah, who are within the organization, but what do you, what are your thoughts there? Yeah. I think at this point, just because of where the season is, we're two weeks away from the college draft. Um, you know, I, I think this may be a thing where you kind of give someone a chance within the organization. I personally would love to see Amy Lapelvit. She's a former player, uh, knows a lot of the players. She's coaching the reserves team, if I'm yeah. Yes. Yeah, she was the head coach of Utah Royals Reserves, and uh, Barnhart was the assistant or goalkeeper coach on that Yeah, squad. so that would be a really cool hire because it allows someone, a former player, someone who understands the NWSL, she played in the league, She's has the coaching experience. Um, and then there's also Scott Parkinson, who coached with Harvey, knows the players. So I think at this point, it's got to be somebody within the organization. Um, I can't think of anybody outside that I can be like, oh, yeah, they'd be great. I mean, Joe Ellis, <laughs> you're a favorite. I will By resign the- and move on to bigger and better things. <laughs> Jose Mourinho. Um, yeah. Someone tweeted today, like, changed their account to look like Utah Royals, <laughs> and they said that Joe Ellis was given the job. So if you see that tweet, don't fall for yep. it. Check the handle. It's probably And fake. the spelling of pursue, which is peruse. Um, <laughs> oh, so close. <laughs> so close. <laughs> oh, yeah. I just saw your comment on that. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, I I would I, – and the RSL organization is really good about staying with the people they know too, right? I mean, they just hired – I don't know how that applies to the women's game, but from the history, it does seem like they like to keep it in, in internal. internal. Thank you, but yeah, you're, you're uh, that is definitely my thought. Of we just saw this in the men's side that the head coach was let go and an assistant became the head coach. Um, that seemed like that seems to be Deloy Hansen's. Um, mm-hmm. yeah his way of operating the organization of being competitive, um, you know, without being in a big market, I think it would be a mistake to at least not interview some outside people. Like you, I feel like you always Mm. should just have a conversation, like reach out to Jill Ellis, reach out to like whomever. Um, I've seen her at Rio Tinto stadium before. Mm. It's not outside the realm of possibility. Um, Actually, a couple times because she coached again. She did. Uh, several, <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it. Um, but yeah, I think it's, I mean, not just Ellis, but I think it's worth having a conversation with anyone because it, it's just a conversation and you can see like, oh, this person really has some great ideas and, and you know, and what they can do to improve the organization or even like how they fit into the organization. And if it ends up that, you know, Scott Parkinson or Amy LaPelbit is the best choice, like that's great. I would love to see that mm-hmm, as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That would be my well oh, and, mm-hmm. that that'd be my preference is LaPelbit or Parkinson. Yeah. Yeah. Um, any other thoughts on the whole Laura Harvey news? I mean, it's this is a pretty major topic. I'm gonna miss her mic'd up 
moments, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to miss her in the post-match. She was always my favorite coach to talk yeah. to. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I mean, I appreciate Laura Harvey. I think she's she's one of the originals in the NWSL for coaches. After her, only uh, Rory Dames in Chicago are the only ones who remain from that original season. So, um, yeah, mm-hmm. Laura Harvey's been huge in the NWSL. You know, came from Arsenal, from the English game to the NWSL. So, if I remember correctly. Um, and she's always been fun to watch on the sideline post-match. Like I said, she's love her players really respect her. They love playing for her and she's all business, but also a lot of fun. Um, and you know, I wish her the best with us soccer and that whole new opportunity for her. So. Yeah. I, I, I really hope this is a good move for her and that she's able to grow. I was, honestly disappointed when she didn't get the U S job because I would have loved to see her in that role. Um, but this very well might be another path to that job. Um, and would certainly make sense. Like if that's where she wants to end up and she was with U S soccer and has good experience. Um, she might be the logical next, next U S women's national team. Yeah, coach. Yeah. And she'll be working in that system and, It'll be good. I think. I think it'll be good. Yeah, agreed. Well, uh, let's move on to um, <laughs> move on to the past. So, uh, twenty nineteen just ended. We're we're in twenty twenty, which sounds like a number or a year from the future. <laughs> um, but we, um, uh, several of us writers for our Cell Soapbox kind of uh, all worked on um, an idea Cindy had of doing a defining moments uh, two-part article. Um, so if you'd like to read that, um, you can check it out on rslsoapbox.com. Um, it was super fun to work on. Um, but yeah, as we wanted to look back over a lot of the highlights of the year, so we're just going to go through kind of these 10 key defining moments of the season um and uh yeah just a way to kind of summarize and remember all the fun and interesting and uh kind of season defining moments of 2019 so um i'll kick us off the first one uh was that string of constant one zero wins um the early part of the season it just felt like non-stop Utah Royals was was winning only by one zero, um, and I remember Laura Harvey saying uh, after the first multiple goal win um, that it was like the best thing for her because she just felt so stressed <laughs> through every one of those one zero wins because it's a scoreline that can change at any moment. Um, but yeah, it was fun and nervy, and it was, you know, Washington Spirit, Orlando Pride, Chicago Red Stars. Um, yeah, Utah Royals squeaked by with just one zero once uh, in those early early few games of the season. Yeah, yeah. And then at number two, we had the return of Mandy Laddish. She, Laddish was out two for two seasons, recovering from hips from a hip injury, hip surgery, and, you know, it was really cool to see her 
2019 was the first time she was able to step back into the field and play some soccer again. She was a key player with the FC Kansas City team, and it was somebody that Utah inherited when the whole uh, when Kansas City folded and Utah became a team. So, um, yeah, she finished the 2019 season with 632 minutes in 11 games. Unfortunately, she suffered another hip injury this past summer. We don't know what setback it's been happening, but she was reported to come back for 2020. Well, I almost set another date, but um, <laughs> yeah, really cool to see a player come back in 2019. At number three, um, Amy Rodriguez had one of the most incredible goals from deep, deep in midfield. She picks up the ball, runs in the midfield and just blasts it from so far out. It was um, nominated for, um, uh, is it, do you pronounce it? Is it Pukas? Puskas. Pukas? Puskas? Oh, yeah. <laughs> However you said it, it was nominated for that award um, by FIFA. Um Check out the article because there's a video on there, and it's if you don't know what goal we're talking about, it's so good. So that was just such a such a fun moment. Mm-hmm. At number four, it's a Kristen Press world we live in. We can talk and fangirl about how Kristen Press is the greatest player in the history of Utah, Utah Royals FC. Um, but really, it was Kristen Press's year in the NWSL. Um, she, she's Obviously, you spent a lot of time with the national team this past year because of the World Cup. But when she came back to Utah, the team looked better. The attack looked better. Um, and just based on her NWSL play alone, Kristen Press impressed. <laughs> so she had, in 14 games, she had eight goals and two assists. Um, so, yeah, great. We can fangirl. I can fangirl all I want. But really, it was Kristen Press's year in 2019 with Utah Royals FC. Impressive. <laughs> All right. At number five, um, it was a great year for newcomers. Um, going into a World Cup year, you really never know who's gonna um, who's gonna win those those um, those minutes. Who's gonna win the starting roles? Uh, it was it was not the players we would have necessarily expected to see after 2018. Um, but uh, you know there were some injuries. There were some um, well, obviously a lot of people away with their national teams. Um, we saw the emergence of players like Gabby Vincent, uh, Mallory Weber, and Michelle Maimone, um, all of who contributed in, in really incredible and unique ways. Uh, Vincent came in as a trialist um, and was given a contract. She was a center back pairing with um, Samantha Johnson for much of that World Cup stretch. Michelle Maimone played more earlier in the season, but as um, a left back. And then um, the team picked up Mallory Weber uh, in the uh, off the waiver wire um, from from Portland Thorns, and she really um, impressed me as a newcomer. She she had experience in the league, obviously, um, but uh, she, Laura Harvey kind of slotted her into that Kelly O'Hara role of being an outside back. Um, she'd played primarily as a winger or attacker, and she did really well. Um, and yeah, it was it was a fun year to get um, 
as much as I think we all love the national team players, it was fun to get a look at some different talent within the league. And at number six, we have just how Lola Banta became a key player for the team. We expect players like Kristen Press and Amy Rodriguez to have good years because of who they are. Uh, but I think for me, a player who really surprised us was Lola Banta. She really just grew in her role as a key player, uh, especially in the midfield. She scored Utah's first goal of the season in 2019. And then when the season when the season was kind of in this like, oh, we need to be saved, <laughs> Lola Banta stepped up. Um, and that obviously just she said in an interview with Desert News how she her role was to open up space for players like Rodriguez and Press because when there's so much attention on those two, it leaves players like Labanta, you know, completely unmarked because people are like focused on your two main attackers. But Labanta did a great job to free up that space for the team to be successful in the attack. At number seven, um, Utah Royals FC beat uh, Portland Thorns and Rain FC for the first time ever. Both these games were just a lot of fun. Um, but, yeah, the Royals uh, dominated the Northwest, and um, it was really, really great to see them kind of finally conquer all teams in the league, especially, um, you know, the Laura, Laura Harvey connection beating her old team and beating – um, her old team's main rival, and that kind of feels like there's a bit of a rivalry that's carried over. Um, like she has said that, you know, she loves beating Portland. <laughs> uh, and as someone who used to live in Portland, I very much enjoy seeing Portland teams lose, especially at soccer. Um, so that was that was really a great mm, moment. Because maybe that's why she moved on, because she beat the team she needed to beat. <laughs> <laughs> My job here is done. I'm out. <laughs> All right, and speaking of Portland, we all know that when Portland and Utah play, there's some excitement because Portland is just a bully. <laughs> and A-Rod mm-hmm, and A-Rod ain't scared of Portland. Um, so we all remember Amy Rodriguez and the altercation between Emily Sonnet, who looked like she was about to faint. But basically... You know, when you have so many, so much, it was already a, a high stakes game because the season was on the line, Utah stinking playoff points. And so, you know, Sonnet had it come in. She picked on press first and then she pulls press down and Spencer's to the ground, gets a yellow card for that. And then the seven, 77th minute, Megan Klingenberg tries to pass the box to Sonnet, but it's too soft. So Rodriguez takes it. And Sonnet does because Sonnet does a poor job of receiving. Sonnet is beat and she tries to do the same on A-Rod. And A-Rod's like, uh-uh. She jumps up, shouts at the ref. And, you know, all craziness breaks loose. Yeah. <laughs> Lucas, you were there. Please tell us about this. <laughs> it was. Um, these are probably my favorite photos I've ever taken in my life. Um, I, I watched because I wrote this section, um, for the story and I probably watched these moments 10 or 15 times a piece. And it's just, there's so much like 
energy or passion or frustration. There's, there's just a lot of emotions are very high. Um, and it's clear that when Sonnet pulls down press, which is sort of the first major offense in the game, that like things are not going well for Portland and she's frustrated. And it's honestly really fun, the national team dynamic that's going on here because A-Rod is a former you know, U.S. national team player. Sonnet and Press are you know, current players. Um, and I, want, I kind of wonder if uh, A-Rod has a little bit of a chip on her shoulder because she makes it perfectly clear that she's not going to be bullied by Sonnet, and Sonnet looks <laughs> terrified. Like when A-Rod is shouting at her, she just looks like, I mean, she kind of looks like when my dog knows he's done something wrong and he's scared, like just like kind of confused and like terrified. Um, and I'm like, I'm genuinely surprised that uh, Amy gets a yellow card because all she does is yell. She's not, doesn't touch, doesn't, you know, I don't think she's cussing or anything. Um, but yeah, it was, you know, and then uh, just a couple of minutes later, Lindsay Horan um, shoves pressed to the ground after uh, uh, a foul is given. So presses over the ball and then very similar. She also is like, no, I'm not backing down. Wait, she pushed out Rodriguez, not press, right? Oh yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, Yeah. And then Heath comes over and goes crazy. And Vero is like, guys, that's really funny. Um, you hate to see the new kids. I know, right? I wonder if they, yeah, if they just laughed about it. It's just so funny. You can't, you can't make this stuff up. It's like Horan, Sonnet, little bullies. <laughs> yeah, those young kids get out um, here. <laughs> Great moment. Yeah. So, um, at number nine is the goal heard around the world. Becky Sauerbrunn's header to beat um, uh, Portland Thorns in this very same game as as the uh, the A Rod altercation. Um, yeah, this was this was incredible for many reasons. Because one, it was a great goal, but two, uh, Becky doesn't score a lot. I think she has about ten goals to her name under like as a professional player um but it there was a corner um that sort of got cleared out and then so that's why becky is even in the box as she was there um to provide like height for the um for the corner um so press uh crosses it back in um and becky doesn't even have to jump she's just exactly in the right spot she know like as a center back she knows how to clear out a ball with her head. She's done it a million times. But with this instance, she directs it towards goal rather than away. It takes one bounce and just pa- like flies past um, French, the, the Thorns keeper, um, and right into the far corner. And it's so fun. Amy is closest to the ball when it goes in, and she just immediately stretches out her arms in celebration. Um it's like her and Becky respond at the same exact moment. Um, and everyone else in the team is just like frozen for like a half second. And then everyone sprints over to Becky and she's ecstatic. Everyone's hugging. Um, yeah, it is. I think probably the a- Amy Rodriguez goal earlier might have been a better goal, but this is a more fun, like, 
magical moment and celebration to mm-hmm. me. Especially because it's Becky Sabron and you just wish all the good things in the world for her. You love her I so am, much. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm such a fan girl. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and at number 10, we can talk about the, the late season collapse of 2019. So for six straight games, Utah has a record of zero wins, two draws, and four losses. Uh, they're in seventh place, way outside the top four. And the season's about to head into the final third of the season. And they're so close to being eliminated. And I remember people talking about how Utah's done, season's over. And I'm like, no, hold on a second. There's time. Um, and something in August just happened. As if it's the team realized they needed to step it up, continue to fight to save their season. It begins with a 3-0 win versus Sky Blue FC, which, oh, shocking. Three goals in one game. You know, and then Utah suddenly goes on a five-game unbeaten streak, which keeps them in contention. We're thinking playoffs. It's going to be great. And then it all comes to a halt and a two-to-one loss against Houston, which was a major setback for a team who was desperate to reach the playoffs. It didn't help that the schedule wasn't going to get easier because then you had North Carolina Courage, Rain FC, and the Chicago Red Stars. Utah loses all three games. They they are still alive with Rain FC like tied one to one and then Rain FC gets a final goal, I think, at the end of the game and it seals the deal. Utah fell to fifth place and Rain FC held a tiebreaker. So even if URFC was to get back to the number four spot, they were not gonna overtake Rain FC. So Eventually, Utah fell to sixth place, ending their magical run, having us all going, what? And I'm sure it's something that kept all of us awake at night for a few weeks. But I felt a general sense of anxiety <laughs> during that stretch because it seemed like they could pull it off. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we talk about teams like kind of getting uh, – getting hot at the right moment and just making this great playoff run. And it seemed like they were positioned to do that. And then they just weren't. Yeah. And that was, that was a very sad way to end the, to end the season. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, it's a late season collapse. Yeah. But it was a fun season. Uh, there were, I mean, I really enjoyed working on this, um, because there were so many like fun moments and yeah, it's disappointing to not make the playoffs, but the four teams that did were pretty dang good throughout. Mm -hmm. Um, And we did lose three of our best players for significant stretches, including losing Kelly O'Hara to a meaningless friendly. (laughs) Um, But we got to watch those players win a world cup and, you know, 2019 had some, Fantastic moments. Yeah, for sure. Which there was an interview that Kelly O'Hara did with, I think it was her, it might have been Men in Blazers, but they did an interview mm-hmm. and Kelly was not very happy that she got injured in a friendly. Um, so I, rem- I remember no. her making a comment that, because obviously that was a huge setback for her and she re-injured yeah. herself. She was not happy about that friendly. Yeah, it was really interesting listening to uh, say listen to an audiobook. Um, 
Caitlin Murray's national team talking about how important that victory tour was, especially to the 99ers because it represented a real moment for them to both raise their profile and actually make some money. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it's kind of the opposite of this is, this is probably not, not something that's great for the team. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it's not, it's, I mean, I think I think the victory tour is cool, but I think when you do it in the mid, in the one of the most important time frames of the league, it doesn't do any favor to the league or the players themselves. So, uh, anyway, well, um, let's look ahead to the year we're in now, uh, to two thousand and twenty. Um, so, I think. The first question I want to ask is what does Utah need to do for the 2020 season to be considered a success? And then maybe uh, if we were to make each make a resolution or two for the team, um, what kind of New Year's resolution would we want to make for Utah Royals? Make the playoffs. Um, so let's start with the – Sorry. Well, that's, that's a goal. <laughs> maybe uh, maybe let's start, yeah, with, with what would be a success. And maybe that's what your answer Okay. You go first. <laughs> Make the playoffs. <laughs> uh, hire hire a, a head coach. Um, I mean, that will obviously happen, but that needs to happen and happen soon because the draft is coming up. Major moments are coming up. And yes, they have a general manager, which is great, but they need to have a coach in place who can give input and feedback. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they – and you did – a few key signings, obviously, players. Vero was a really good signing, and we really haven't seen anything close to that. Um, I personally think that they need a better number nine. Um, then who? Wasn't that – was Stengel the holding number nine? Sometimes. Sometimes. I mean, there was – they they played press and um, a rod at the top quite a lot. There were times where Stengel was almost a creative, uh, like attacking midfielder, which I did not love her in no. that role. I really think you need a player who can who has the speed, because if you look, if you think about uh, the good teams out there, like North Carolina, North Carolina is ridiculously fast. Up front, you have Lynn Williams, you have a Jess McDonald, you have Davinia, and Utah does not have speed. They're actually, when you look at the team, they're actually kind of slow. Hmm. <laughs> um, and obviously, Press, I think Press and Rodriguez are super fast, but then when Press yeah. leave, that only leaves Rodriguez, you know, so mm-hmm. I think you need a third speedy player, and maybe it'll be um, their new signing, Ariel Ship. You know, or yeah. player. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I think the team needs to make some yeah signings like close to Vero's level. Like, and by that I mean not. You know, they don't have to be. Uh, like you don't have to sign Alex Morgan or Megan Rapinoe, but you do need to have players that are very talented and. Um, competitive in this league and they don't have to be at that like very top echelon of players. Right. 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 Hmm. 
Um, yeah, I think I think this season will be judged as success or failure, really, if they make the playoffs or not. If it's if they miss the playoffs again, it feels like it starts. Um, yeah, really negative narrative of Utah Royals just can't can't cut it, can't make the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. they have they have the talent. They have you know international players to make a indoor team. <laughs> like they they have the players. They just need better direction mm-hmm. and maybe it will come with a new head coach who has a new vision. Yeah. Yeah, that will be fascinating to see whoever comes in how how much the style of play changes. Yeah. Um, any other things for success before we move on to resolutions? No, I think that's good. Um, well, because I spring this question without it being in the <laughs> notes, I will start with a resolution and give you a moment to think of your own. Mm. Um, so the first resolution I would make for Utah Royals is um, more accurate passing. I felt like, especially in the midfield, a lot of times we saw errant passing. So um, I think the resolution should be simpler, uh, cleaner passing. Okay. Okay. I'm going to say, I don't know, better defending. (laughs) Um, Utah did actually give up a lot of goals this past season in comparison to 2018. So um, whatever that means, I think maybe locking down a better defensive you know, like a back line. And there were so many factors this past season with Kelly O'Hara being injured, you know, please don't put Gunny in the back again. Um, stuff like that. Like have a solid, I think why 2018 was better on a defensive side is because the back line was consistent and we just did not have that um, in the back line. And granted, a lot of it had to do with players being gone but and Morris was injured for a lot of the season yeah so there should come a point where there's no experimentation going on back there you know if you're sticking gunny in the back line you're experimenting Weber ended up working out you know by some crazy miracle because she's a good soccer player but yeah I think locking down a you know whether it's your first choice or just your second choice. I, I don't think you should have to be experimenting a lot. This is not a Joe Ellis team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agreed. Um, my next resolution would be um, general admission for the um, supporter section. Uh, right now it's all assigned season, all assigned seating. Um and that's that is absolutely fantastic for the rest of the stadium, but I think the supporter section needs to be general admission so you can pack people in. There's no weirdness about oh I'm in your seat, um, so people can just be in those first few ro- rows really tightly um, because I think that helps harness the energy. And um, the folks in Court of Royals have done a fantastic job, but I think. Um, yeah, the front office allowing um, general admission in that section the way they do for the South End for RSL would be um, would bring some good energy. Yeah, yeah, that'd be really, that'd be really cool because then you really just, you know, 
uh, limit people a lot. So, um, who had another resolution? So this isn't just like field wise, team wise. Yeah. I would love to see it's the third year. I would really like to see the Salt Lake city slash Utah community really get behind this team more. Um, because us, you know, women's soccer, not just because it's women's soccer. They're not like a charity thing that you need to support because it's women's soccer and they need your support. Go support them because they're playing near you, you know, in what other league can you get like the likes of Becky Sabra and Kristen Press, Kelly O'Hara, like go out and support your team and, and fill the stadium. I mean, if, if you can do it for the men's team and sometimes the men's game is incredibly frustrating, <laughs> um, oh. I think the women's game is actually more exciting than a lot of the times. They, I actually think sometimes even the quality is better. And I will fight someone on that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it is unfortunate that they don't always draw the same numbers as RSL, but um, like the games are fun. They're really they're a high level. You have, as you said, fantastic world class players. Um, it's also super affordable. Like if you have a family, you can get really great deals and tickets. Um, so. I feel like there's no reason not to go. Exactly. Yeah. That's all I got. Yeah, same for me. So that um, concludes our um, our look ahead for 2020, at least at this point. I think we'll probably, in a future episode, uh, dive in a little bit more. But um, with it being the new year, we just wanted to talk about what was required for success, maybe set some, um, some resolutions. But... Um, yeah, I think I think the future is bright. There's just at this moment a lot of unknowns. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so we're just gonna um, kind of wrap up with a few other um, a few other uh, pieces of news, and then um, we'll we'll look at some listener questions. Um, first thing is Katie Stengel was listed as unavailable um, in the W League. She at least as of December 25th uh, had an ankle injury. Um, in which she was listed as out for three weeks. Um, on her Instagram, she had a photo of herself in a boot and crutches, so that's not great. Mm-hmm. But then there's another photo without, so that might have been just as protection and a precaution. Um, but yeah, just worth noting, um, you know, she's picked up some kind of injury, but doesn't seem too serious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next thing I wanted to touch on. Um, uh, Ryan's GoFundMe has raised about seven thousand dollars of the goal of twenty. Um, uh, we talked about that in the last episode, so if you want to know more, feel free to go back and listen. But um, yeah, if you can, just I would say consider supporting um, Ryan. He's a great dude, um, and just you know dealing with some health issues and could could certainly use support. Mm, yeah, and then we have no. Not we as Utah Royals FC. There is a new head coach in the NWSL, and that is for Sky Blue FC. Last year, Dennis Denise Reddy stepped down after just not a very good season. Not, yeah. So yeah, Sky Blue has Freya Combe as the head coach, and she served as an assistant for the team previously. So familiar with the team there, and then. In about two weeks, we have the college draft, which tends to 
it's worked out for Utah, I think, the past two seasons. Obviously, the first season was not very friendly because of two teams folding, but um, we shall see what kind of importance the uh, team has for that. And actually, I forgot about this, but I was going to say in that, so Utah had just two draft picks for 2020, but, and I forgot that this happened right before Christmas, uh, Mackenzie Doniak was traded to the Chicago Red Stars. In return, Utah acquired a second round pick. So now Utah has a lot more potential to get a higher seated player or at least a more known player than, um, you know, than waiting until like the third and fourth round. So now Utah has three picks, but unfortunately Doniak, who I thought was a good pick, but I think she'll fit better in Chicago. Um, was traded so Sam Kerr's replacement Mm -hmm. no pressure pressure. (laughs) cool uh I'm glad you knew the yeah I I knew we had a couple draft picks but I couldn't remember uh the details in that so that's great um so on to listener questions um um Someone's abs asked, uh, what do you think uh, is the bad and good side of Harvey Harvey stepping down? So, so we did really cover mm-hmm. that. Um, I think just to summarize, you know, like we don't know what's next for sure. Um, and so that, that feels like a negative. Um, but, you know, it might be a really good opportunity to kind of refresh and change up um, what's happening with the team. Um, Marcus wrote, uh, not a question, but, um, we love Marcus. So, uh, he said with things changing, I think it's going to be a majestic year. Um, yeah. So even with things changing, I think it's going to be a majestic year. I, I, I agree with that Marcus. I think it's exciting. Um, not all change is bad. Mm, mm. No, it's not. And then, uh, the last question we got was in, um, Spanish, uh, so, Cindy, do you want to maybe translate and answer? Yeah, so Meli Palacio, um, which she often does comment a lot in Spanish, um, which is really cool. But she just says, with the departure of Laura Harvey, do you, th- are there, do you guys know any potential names that can replace her? And not like officially. We know the club has some a list of replacements, but... We've obviously talked about the two that we think would be good fits, but apparently so does the club. So nothing official, nothing we've heard. So right now it's just, you know, just anticipation and, uh, yeah, guessing. <laughs> yep. Um, great. Well, that's everything we had for today. So uh, I just want to thank everyone for listening. We'll be back in uh, a week or two, kind of just depending on the news as it breaks. If um, if a new head coach is announced, I expect that we'll do kind of a deep dive into that. But um, yeah, thanks for listening and have uh, have a great day, everyone.